Carl, we are on the finish line to our voting for St. Louis Film Critics Association. And if, if we were ever slammed, it is this year. Because somebody asked me how come we have so many movies to see at the end. And I said, because the studios want you to remember their film. So they show them yes. to you at the end. It's just the two of us today. Lynn and I are going to talk about all the movies that we're trying to squeeze in this season. And then we'll talk Tar Revisited. Then around minute 11, The Whale. Around minute 22, White Noise. Around minute 30, Empire of Light. Around minute 42, two movies we didn't see. One we wanted to, one we did not. Emancipation and spoiler alert. And then around minute 50, Lynn has the theater roundup. Yes. There was supposed to be an Avatar screening this weekend because that comes out next week. And we didn't get to see it because it there was something wrong with the print and it didn't work. And so now you and I are going to you're going to see it on Monday and I'm going to see it on Tuesday. Jim so. Tudor said that. Oh, they, he saw it last night. Yeah. He didn't comment on the movie, but he said there were enough members there last night that if it gets nominated you know, we'll be able to do something about it. But he also said that not as many people were there last night as there were Tuesday night. Yeah, it was unfortunate the way that that happened. But you know what? We'll talk about, we, you and I will both see that movie next week and it'll be fine. And I heard Babylon started a half hour late. Babylon started a half hour late and it's, it's, uh, it's great until it's not. And we'll talk about we'll talk about that soon too. Yeah, because um, uh, it opens uh, Christmas, my birthday, December twenty third, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Happy birthday, early Lynn. I always here, here's here's what's going on. When I tell people happy birthday, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't get the reminder like everybody else does when they cheat and they find out. Uh, oh, you're just saying happy birthday to me because you're saying it, seeing it on Facebook. I don't have Facebook, but I do have everybody's contacts in my phone and I text them the day before and I tell them happy birthday Eve, which people like for two reasons. One, that I remember, and two, I'm usually first. That's good too, because on my birthday, usually that's when my son Charlie is in town and we're going, going, going. And then I miss a lot till later and all these people have said happy birthday and I feel like I'm like rude, you know, like I haven't. No, because here, here's what I found out. I have, I, when I was with one of the radio stations, they made me have a Facebook page. In fact, it was called Carl's fake Facebook page <laughs> because I didn't want to have one, but I found out that when I was on there for a while, uh, the thing to do is when you have, a birthday, you just have to say once during that day or in that 24-hour period, thanks, everybody, for all the birthday wishes. That's all you have to say. Yes. I used to respond to all of them, but those days are gone. Today, we are remembering Tim, so I'm getting a lot of messages. So I have to kind of put the tunnel vision on and not respond and get my work done, and then I will right. respond later. But we thank have, you for I, all the well wishes for Tim for remembering Tim. And yeah, it's, it, you, you have to say the right thing too. <laughs> that's really good. I like because, that. Thank you for remembering Tim. 
All right. Yes, that's, that's good. That that is good. I will use that now. And You're then welcome. also, yeah. And then also, we have like I have like six movies to watch in a very short amount of time. Well, okay, Lynn, Lynn, and I and our buddy Max were talking about this on our little text string. Wait till Sunday. Don't start just watching movies willy nilly because our nominations are going to come out. You'll actually see them Saturday night. So don't kill yourself trying to see these movies that you 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 might have to see. Let's say you haven't seen Till, and when the nominations come out, and the woman who plays his mother is nominated for Best Actress, and you haven't seen it, and that wasn't one of the six that you were going to see, that might be something that you want to watch. So wait till the nominations come out. Don't kill yourself, you know, trying to right knock these movies out. And I know you want to see them because you're very inclusive and you're very thorough about your movie watching, but don't go out of your way to see something that you can actually wait for until January when they actually come out in theaters. I might be doing that about Babylon because Babylon's three hours and eight minutes. It is. It is three hours and eight minutes. And they could have, we'll talk about it next week, but, or in two weeks, but they, there are really three stories, but on the movie poster there are six people two of those could have been excised and made it more streamlined and the last the first half hour uh, we're not, we shouldn't be talking about this but the first half hour is an extravagant cold open the last half hour is just crazy uh -huh. so but then the two hours in between i really loved well that's good to know because it is damien chazelle and we yes. will talk of him. And I still. And he, and he has done excess well before. Yes. And I still, I still champion first man. Right. People, people forget about first man. And well, it what didn't do well, but it was one of my favorites that year. And I believe it was that. So let's talk before we talk about all that, because we will, we will have some of our fellow film critics on uh, the week of my birthday. Yeah. Uh, and we will. We will be able to uh, chat with them about their favorites. Everybody's, all the big ones are are releasing their top ten. Entertainment yeah. Weekly, Variety, New York Times just did theirs today. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I saw it last night. But uh, most everybody's got Tar as number one, and I will vehemently disagree with that. But I, I appreciate that other people, I you know, I respect other people's opinions. It's just, it's not going to make me put it in my five. It's not a hockey game. I watched Tar two nights ago at the request of the movie studio who said, I know Lynn hates Tar, but what do you think of it? And I said, I haven't seen it. And they said, do us a favor and watch it. I agree with some of the things you say about it. I think uh, I nominated, I didn't nominate Kate Blanchett. I nominated the girl from Portrait of a Woman on Fire. Uh, oh, that uh, Noel. Uh, Naomi, Noel. Yeah, Noel. Yeah. I, I, I nominated her for Best Supporting because I loved her character. Oh, I thought her story was more interesting than... Uh, Linda Tars, I'm sorry, Lydia Tars, but I, there were parts about the movie I really, really enjoyed, and then I understand it, it they don't, 
the end would pay off better if you knew what she was doing. <laughs> so it took me a minute to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Well, but, but, there, but, are, but the, there are there plot... were great parts of that movie. Well, there are parts that should have been explained better. And there are parts, there are holes, threads that they don't go back to, especially the Krista. Yeah. Well, she's that girl, that part, they never show the girl's face or have anything. And there are so there are several loose threads that are go off. And so uh, there are good performances in it. And Clay, Kate Blanchett plays a bitch really well. So, oh my God. Well, she self destructs and it's her own damn fault, but she's a sexual predator and uh, things that they just kind of gloss over. Yeah. But they make it seem like it's a real story, but it's it's a narrative feature because, you know. Why did she have two places? They don't even talk about Yes, that. they do. They do talk about it. They the Her wife tells her, you never gave up your first apartment even after we got this one. Yeah. And that's where she do. That's where she seduced their wife. Well, also, yeah, well. She's good too. The uh, a lot of the supporting cast are great in that film. Nina Haas. Nina Haas is very good. I am. Uh, I'm going to go for some obscure nominees in the hopes that supporting. Can, yeah, in the hopes that we can get them on the ballot. But also, I'm I'm going to vote for Emma Thompson for Good luck to you, Leo Grant. I'll help. I'll help you with that. I'll I'll collude with you on some of these now. Send me what you're going to do, and I'll collude with you. Because I all I right, yeah, it's all, all strategery. It's right. all and strategery. If you're going to, if you're going to, okay. So, Lynn, let me explain. So, so people who don't understand how the St. Louis Film Critics, uh, it's ranked choice voting. So, if you really want Emma Thompson, you have to put her number one because she'll get five points that way. Yes. And then if somebody else, even if somebody else does her number five, that's one point. And so it all adds up. And so if she only needs seven points to get it, you could have one person do it uh, number one and two people do it number five. And then boom, you're in. So it's it's a it's a whole political thing as well. It is. And I think that uh, Janelle Monet and deserves. Max and I were talking about her the other day. He's we, gonna vote for Daniel Craig. So I think some people are. Um, I would prefer a Janelle Monet over Kate Hudson any day. Oh well, or, yeah. And then Jan Paul Janelle Monet's part is much better in uh, Glass Onion. Yeah, and uh, Hong Chao in The Whale. I think I'm gonna go with her. Okay. I well, thought she was I've very good. Speaking well, you know of what? Speaking of the whale, that comes out this week. It's Brendan Fraser and Sadie Sink. I did not get to see it yet, but it looks like I'm going to have to next week because there's a lot of love for Brendan Fraser, but not the movie. Lynn, you saw it. Yes, it's dark and depressing and disturbing and really bleak, just like Darren Aronofsky is known for in Requiem of a Dream and The Wrestler. It is horrifying and really hard to watch because Brendan Fraser has a 600 pound fat suit on 
and yeah, he didn't gain. He didn't gain. He did gain weight, but he didn't gain four hundred pounds. No, and it's horrifying to see someone be so self-destructive. And he's a really smart guy. He, uh, I'll tell you the story. And uh, the the first scene we see him is he's pleasuring himself in a recliner and he's watching for and uh, and one of those religious type people that knock on doors comes in and he looks like and he thinks he's having a heart attack too at this time and it becomes a real mess but here's the story so i mean i'm just telling you that because this is how it starts yeah it's it's very aronofsky yeah it's based on a play so, so so what you're saying is if you can't if you can't make it through the first five minutes, you're not going to make it through the rest of the movie? No. Okay. No. It is... Uh, it's based on a show, play. Yes. Based on Sam Samuel Hunter. D. Hunter. Mm-hmm. And all these characters have a lot of issues. And uh, so, Brendan Fraser was married to Samantha Morton. They had a daughter, mm-hmm. Sadie Sink. He I can left. see that. Sadie, Sadie Sink looks like a young Samantha Morton. And she's very good. She's just full of anger as this girl because dad left. Oh, Brendan Fraser's name is Charlie. Dad left when she was eight because he fell in love with one of his students. He's an English professor. Right one now his, he is. One of his old. students? What's, what's that student's name? Alan. Ah, oh, so there's another level here. Yes. So he fell in love with Alan and left the family. And obviously that caused a lot of trauma. And then Alan was from a very religious family. We have a whole thing about religion in here, which is what Kent didn't like about it. And he has is he saying that gay people don't have to deal with religion what is he saying no it's just that uh they're from like a i want to say like a mormon mennonite uh, yeah it's it's a they call it new life testament so oh, it's alan's, evangelical alan's family was like ran this church like it was really big in this church or whatever and um because he was gay and because that he had a lot of trauma regarding the the church beliefs the loss of faith and being ostracized from his family and he eventually kills himself which is what leads brendan fraser to eat himself to death he's eating his feelings he's eating his feelings to the point where when he is teaching his online class, he leaves the camera off. Okay. Because he doesn't want anybody to see him. There's this deep shame about what he looks like, but also he's, he's, he's repulsed in a way by himself 
and he's uh he it's about loss and grief and how those things trigger uh events in your life and trauma he has a nurse who comes who's hung chow who is actually alan's sister oh and she treats him like the person she knew before he was 600 pounds okay she has a very nice relationship with him but it's tough love it's tough love but you know he'll order two pizzas and eat them at once you know it's it's really it's like i said it's very hard to watch that it's very hard to watch somebody want to kill themselves through eating and you see him pretty much naked you see him walk to the shower you see all the little bells and whistles that he has to hold because he's so large he's on oxygen he uh is is it's just uh i don't want to say too much but he starts he wants to have a relationship with his daughter and she's extremely hostile and screams at him and cusses and is terrible to him and uh samantha morton the mom finally comes and has a scene with brendan frazier because most of the time she's talked about in the past tense like they're when they were married you know what that was like and she comes and she hasn't seen him since he gained all this weight and so she's horrified but she talks about their daughter who's she said she's evil she says that yeah she says about the daughter because This girl's so hostile. And this girl is like, you left me when I was eight years old. And so she has all this anger. And Sadie Sink can do that really well. Well, she's flunking out of high school. So Brendan Fraser says he will write her essays. Because she doesn't want to even be tutored. Like she's on her phone. Like he's working on her essay and she's on her phone. And once in a while they'll start talking. But mostly she just, just hurls horrible things to him and uh he takes it and he talks about what a wonderful joy she is and how much he uh he did one thing right in his life and it was her it was her and then uh there's a whole running theme of moby dick in this movie a whale so it tries to tie it all together but if anybody gets through this two hours you're just left with this just uh, you know it's just you just feel so sad but also you just can't believe that you watched this it's oh i swear to god i mean i was tearing up and crying and stuff but it was uh it was like i was also like you know i had to look away sometimes because it's just too much. It's too much. Well, I, I talked to other people that have seen it and they said it probably works better as a play. And Sadie Sink's character is a little one note. Yes. Yes. Because she's all just screaming at him and telling him how horrible a person he is. And, you and, know, and she was and she was much better and has more range in Stranger Things, even season three and four, especially four. 
because four, she's major. She's she's in it more than eleven, I think. Yeah, her her max. There's a lot of yelling in this movie. <laughs> there is a lot of yelling, and he's trying to deep inside. This guy is is very kind, but he, you know, he's ha having this big crisis of faith, and he couldn't handle that loss, and. It's just not what you think. I think people think, oh, Brendan Fraser. Oh, he's getting good reviews. Oh, let's go see this. This is not Airheads, Brendan Fraser. And, well, it, you, you know, I think you, you would think know it would that. Work better? Do you think it would work better as a one-room play? Probably, and probably not seeing him naked would be good. <laughs> okay. Well, he was. You he don't was wearing... see full. You don't see full. Well, you see his butt. No, you see his mass. I mean, you can't see his package. You because... can't see because he's so fat that it covers it up. Right, but you see him walking in all six hundred pounds of wow. flesh. Whoever did the makeup is probably going to get nominated for an Oscar because. It is so realistic. His face and the, but the, 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 the massive amount of weight that hangs over him is just, it, I mean, you know, it's just hard. You want to be sympathetic to people, but it's just a hard thing to watch. And especially he's, you see him like shaving and, brushing his teeth and this is not a good review from you you're saying people shouldn't see this well i gave it a c okay because well, i think I'm, and i'm gonna probably include him in my five for best vote, actor yeah i had to vote i'm i don't think i'm doing it number one right now my top two are austin butler and colin farrell i did i did watch i did watch uh, Elvis the other day too. I I watched Tar followed by Elvis, and that well, was a, that was a good double feature. That was it was. Uh, I um so he might be my third for because of CCA is only three nominations. Ah, well, Lynn, let's talk about a movie that people said was unfilmable. It's based on a book from the eighties. It's called White yes. Noise. Don DeLillo, and uh, this is by Noah Baumbeck. It is mm -hmm. wild, it is weird, and it is thoroughly original. It's quite a departure for Noah Baumbeck because he's used to original screenplays. Yes. He did Mary's Story, Francis yeah. Ha, The Squid and the Whale, Greenberg, Kicking and Screaming, Margot at the Wedding. He was one of Tim's favorites. And um, I saw this film on the opening night of the New York Film Festival. And Noah Baumbach had always had his films at the festival, but never opening night. So this was a big deal. This is a dark American satire. It is. Now, now is, it, is it darker than Marriage Story, his last film? No, it's no. Because no. that, well, that had Adam Driver in it as well. Right. Well, Adam Driver's been in five of his movies since right. Francis Ha. 
right. and so uh which is you know pretty good so they have a good relationship uh to me the big star here is don Cheadle. so don Cheadle and adam driver are professors at a university and adam driver specializes in hitler yes he he teaches a class just on hitler yes and they which, have this space which at the time which at the time in 1986 that was like a parody of how uh the uh academic institutions are just going very niche yes and uh so this has apocalyptic things it has a deep center it's all about this american family trying to adapt and even though it was written in the 80s you'd be surprised at how how it resonates in post-pandemic America. Okay. And then we have the kids who are the actor, Alessandro Nivola, Nivolo. It's his two children. Okay. And Jody Turner Smith is in it. And it's got a outstanding. Oh, and Greta, Greta Gerwig's in it. Yes. Greta Gerwig plays Adam Driver's wife. And she has got the 80s hair and the fashions. And it's, it's excellent. Oh, my God. The production design here is outstanding. It's going to be one of my top nominations. That Jess Gonchin, who does a lot of uh, his films, he took an old abandoned Lowe's and made it into a grocery store. If you notice, all the ads for this movie are all like old-fashioned grocery store ads. Yeah, they love the A&P. Yeah, and... Uh, it's fabulous. And there's this big dance number at the end to what I think is going to be a nominee for best song, uh, the new body rumba by LCD sound system. Now, see, I always, okay. When I heard about this movie and they, and I heard that LCD sound system is going to do a song for it. There's a band that took the name from the book called the airborne toxic event. And I thought, well, that would be great and very meta if they had that band doing a song in there but that is not the case no so but there is an airborne toxic event yes so we have all these things converging and it's it's a uh, mysterious and it's just about a family trying to just get through every day and so it's like a normal family in a sitcom environment but they have all these big events occur now, how familiar are you with the book? I am not. I did not read it. So I was new to it. Okay. Because um, Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000 from Outcast, um, he, I, I, full disclosure, I have not seen the movie yet. I was waiting till it came out on Netflix. I didn't know that they were doing a, uh, I was ill-equipped to learn and ignorant of the fact that they released this in theaters because I didn't. I thought it was just coming out on Netflix on the 30th of December. I didn't know that they were doing a release. So I, I'm like, oh, I can wait on this. But no. But from what I've learned, Andre 3000, Andre Benjamin, is playing a character that is not in the book unless they changed the character's name to make it more uh, uh, palatable to audiences. Who is Andre 3000? Uh, he's Elliot. Yeah. He's a minor character, but oh, he does okay. shake up. He does shake his groove thing during the music, during the end credits. The end okay. credits are, are wonderful. 
So it has a spirit. It's hard to describe. It's one of these movies, as Greta Gerwig said to me, that to you, to you, you will, by the yeah, way, because you went, you went and saw Netflix. Full disclosure: Netflix paid for you to go see it. Right. So I got to talk to Noah Bombeck and uh, Greta Ger- Gerwig, and uh, I could ask questions of Don Cheadle, and I got to um, uh, speak to Danny Elfman, who I went over and said. Uh, congratulations on 34th season of uh, Simpsons. And he smiled at me, big smile. He did the soundtrack. He did the score. It's a great score. All right. So they said that this film is, uh, the book was unfilmable. Right. And I think what, well, what did Greta Gerwig say to you? She said, I think it's going to be one of these movies that people will have to think about. And the next day they will be going Hmm. In very Greta Gerwig style, she said that. Okay. She's very sweet. I talked to her about Little Women, how much I loved it. She said she loved filming that. She loved that cast. Good. And I should have said something about Lady Bird, but I just kind of like was zeroing in on Little Women. But anyway, uh, her clothes and hair in it is hilarious. And so it's very different. It's like they're playing these roles serious. But the characters don't seem all that serious. And you get that it's this uh, pastiche of different things, but it's a definite American story. And it, it, it taps into the anxieties that we've all had the past three years. Okay. Well, so, I, 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 I guess I will... I might have to watch it next week if enough people saw it and it gets nominated. If not, I will wait until uh, the week of December and then watch it before it comes out on Netflix. Yeah. So and now yeah. and now a movie that was at the St. Louis uh, Film Festival, Empire of Light. Yes. Did you see it, Carl? I did not. I had a hockey game that night. Hockey well, hockey takes my time up in this. It's really difficult to try to see all these movies when you have a job that takes you to when they are screening them. I know. Well, this is a particularly uh, busy time for theater critics too. Mm-hmm. And I just dropped all my DVDs. I was going to show you got the, you got this uh, screener to empire of light. Did you? Yes, I did. I did. Okay. Well, Sam Mendez is one of my favorites. He is a brilliant film and a genius theater director he is the one in london's west end the donmar warehouse was like his playhouse he did a great revision of company where bobby was a black guy and uh he uh, he, he just brings out things in particularly in sondheim but he brings out things in in a theater his claim to fame was in the early, in the late 90s, early 2000s, he reinvented Cabaret. Okay. If you recall the Joel Grey, uh, Liza, Minnelli Liza Minnelli movie, it, it seemed to be more show busy. And, it, and while it had hints of the darkness of the Nazis, the Third Reich, it didn't really go there. 
Well, he went there in his interpretation of Cabaret. It was a gaunt Alan Cummings who won the Tony. It yeah. was a very decadent and seedy Cabaret. Not this spangly sequins and everything you know it was more in line with the decadence of the of the third reich and what was happening in germany berlin was on its way to this is why the nazis were able to come in and do what they did because society was becoming so unglued at the time so this his version sam mendes's version of cabaret went there very dark and it was brilliant. And he was the toast of the town. And ever since, anytime he does, he just, his play, um, the uh, Layman trilogy, just won the Tony last year for drama. So, you know, he's still doing film and theater. Well, so, yeah, Empire he, of... his, his first movie was American Beauty. His first movie, he won the Academy Award for Best Director. So that's yeah. the Road to Perdition. Revolutionary Road, did two Bond films, Skyfall and Spectre, and then a movie that people loved, I did not, 1917, where he got another nomination. But Yeah, people yes. thought he was going to win. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. and he was married to Kate Winslet for about 10 years. Yes, they have a child. So he did this Empire of Light. I thought it was going to be like what I thought Fableman's was going to be like, too like this love letter to movies and it starts out like that it is one of those grand and glorious old movie palaces that we went to as children that are now a thing of the past uh if you recall the fox once upon a time showed movies and uh this is one of these great places it's in a coastal town in england so it's one of those very gray the waves are coming in you know we see all these movies set in that Coastal. Doesn't this take place in the 80s also? Yes, 1981. And at the they're showing the Blues Brothers at this theater. So Olivia Coleman plays a woman who's in charge of the concession stand. And it's a, I thought it was going to be a workplace drama. Toby Jones, who's always good in every movie, he is the projectionist. And they have to do the old school with the film, with the threading, with the reels. They show all that kind of a not, you know, like Cinema Paradiso was, but yeah. So that's what I thought it was going to be like. I thought it was going to be like the British Cinema Paradiso. No. So was it? No, because oh. <laughs> Sam Mendes wrote this during the pandemic and he decided that Olivia Coleman's character would be schizophrenic and deal with mental health. So she's mentally ill. She is having an affair with the boss who is played by Colin Firth uh -huh. as not a nice guy. Oh. And uh, it's just this thing. So then, so she's, you know, boinking the boss and he's married and uh, she's not treated very well by him at all, but the coworkers all love her. But apparently she's had episodes before where she's had to be hospitalized, et cetera. So she has a very troubled life. Well, a new employee comes, a young black man, and uh, she takes him under her wing. And then they start having sexual relations. 
And this is at a time when it was the skinheads in England and Margaret Thatcher took over. And so there was a lot of violence and there was still very much a prejudice against black people getting ahead in England. And so he is looked on, um, he is not looked on as the same as all the, you know, the other workers. So it has, it's meandering. It's meandering because you think it's supposed to be this one way and then it goes into mental illness and it's very dark. And then it goes into this guy getting attacked by uh, skinheads in a very horrifying scene. So we have um, a, I guess one of the, the society issues about race relations. So we have mental illness, race relations, and this old theater as a workplace of all these different personalities. It's beautifully shot by Roger Deakins. Oh, I it's like Roger just, Deakins. yeah, it's beautifully shot. And the music is by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yes. So the production values are all fine. And Olivia Coleman, when does she not give a good performance? Um, when she was in that movie, awful movie last year. Well, she still was the well, daughter. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, she's very. Uh, she's. It's a heart. It's a more of a heartbreaking role here, but I just think that uh, as many of us at that screening were disappointed. Now Kent loved it. It's going on his top ten. Really? So I think this is one of those this year, Carl, we have a lot of polarizing films. Yeah, Kent also liked Blonde. So yeah, which is on blah. his list and so is Ar Anna de Armas. Yeah. So he's he's going to be the only one doing that. He better put those as five or else no one's going to no one is voting for those things. Well, we might have somebody else. Oh, no. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be with 20 people. I think our votes are all over the place this year. I Good. think uh, we, I think we have so many polarizing films because I'm not the only one who doesn't like tar. I do not. Um, you know, I didn't like Bardo. Tudor loves it. I did not like empire of light. Like I thought I would. Um, who's the, and then what's the other really long bloated one? Okay, so Babylon. Babylon, yeah. And then we have uh, Avatar. Yes, but we also have uh, a, a couple other ones that are those three-hour ones that have been getting very mixed reviews. Oh, Fablements. Right, which you didn't like either. No. And so uh, this is only two hours, Empire of Light. It feels a little bit more, but it's um, according to IMDb, it's a the drama a drama about the power of human connection during turbulent times, set in an English coastal thing. But it's only got fifty five on Metascore. Yeah. So. And yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, your your Rotten Tomatoes only gives it a forty five. Yeah. Well, I have um. Uh, my review on there so i'm one of the people so that you're the one you're the ones that don't think it's fresh yeah no we contributed to the thing so it's interesting about the divisiveness of the films this year i think it's been a very strange year for film what do you think uh it has been n nothing besides 
I would say that the only thing that has got universal acclaim is Top Gun Maverick. And nobody, I don't think, wants to vote for that because it seems cliche to vote for Top Gun Maverick. But I think I think we might be surprised if people put that in for voting. Well, it's made my top 10. Right. So, and so people, I think, yeah. Are you going to nominate it for anything? Action. Uh, you know, I'm going to nominate for action. I'm going to nominate it for uh, visual effects. I'm not sure anything else. I'm, I don't know. I'm not voting it for it for best picture. See, that's the thing. People, it, people love that movie, but they're like, I feel guilty voting for it for any prestige awards, which I think Na is wrong. Well, yeah. National Board of Review named it the top pick of 2002. I mean, 2022. I think it's going to get a bunch of Oscar nominations. Yes, but any major awards, or are they all going to be technical awards? It's going to be technical. Yes. It's going to be like The Matrix was when, you know, it won like four. If they have 10 nominations, they could uh, squeeze it into Best Picture. Oh, I think it might be. Yeah, I might be. Just knowing how this year is gone. Because it's been, and nope, remember how we had high hopes on that? Kiki yeah. Palmer has gotten some real buzz on supporting actress, and I'm not seeing that, but that's yeah. interesting. Well, so there, there are there are two other movies that we didn't see, uh, even though they tried to force us to see Emancipation as much as they could. Uh, no, thank you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in. I'm not in on the Will Smith train yet. Well, you know he's doing the Mia Culpa because this movie came out. Exactly. Which I find interesting. Like, oh, I have a really good movie, so now I'm going to say I'm sorry. Yeah. And also, spoiler alert, which is uh, Jim Parson. Uh, I, he read the book, which, by the way, the name of the book is, spoiler alert, uh, The Lead Dies, which they The changed. Hero Dies. Or the Hero, yeah. The, the Hero Dies. It, they changed it he read that book and it's like, I've got to make this movie. So I think uh, his production company did that movie. So we didn't see, uh, they didn't, did they screen spoiler alert for us? They did Wednesday night when I was in the ER. Oh, and or coming I was, out of the ER. Right. I did not, I did not get to go to that. No, um, I'm going to check if emancipation is in my Apple screeners. Well, but I think it's, I think, think, it's, isn't it on Apple TV Plus this week anyway? No, it opened in it. theater. No, it opened in theaters today. Uh huh. And then it's going to be on Apple uh, late. Well, did it? I don't know. I, well, I'm not. I'm not on the Will Smith train, so I don't care. Well, I find this strange that. Uh, yeah. Well, people keep asking no, it's, me it, about it's. It's on Apple TV Plus as of now. Oh, it is. Yeah, it came out on the 9th, which is, you know, to today. <laughs> so it's out. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a great story. And I like Anton Fuqua. Oh, yeah. I do, too. And well, then I'm going to try. I'll see what happens because 
uh, CCA voting is tonight, and I still have to watch Hugh Jackman in the Sun, and I have to watch um, another Libby. movie that is getting that is getting very mixed reviews. Yeah, well, I think the I think the father did too. I think maybe the only movie that's not getting so much mixed is Banshees of Innersheeran. Yep. And Which I'm got, going to watch. I am going to watch that this weekend. Well, I am. I am nominating uh, it for best actor, best supporting actress, possibly supporting actor, and uh, original screenplay. I, and, I thought I, it, it's interesting that Colin Farrell is the lead and Brendan Gleeson is the supporting because all the things that you see about it. It looks like Brennan Gleason is the lead. Well, yeah, but you shouldn't because it is really, it's really Colin Farrell. And he's fantastic. Okay. He has this, oh, the looks on his face, the hangdog looks, because it is about male bros mm -hmm. and how uh, your friendships are. And it's a small town and it's set in 1923. So you'll notice right away because it's like this island is very remote, but it's like they live in these very simple dwellings and they're riding horses and wagons. And you're like, what's going on? So it's not modern at all. Colin Farrell has this donkey. <laughs> that's like his little pet. It's like a mini donkey. It's hilarious. Her name is Jenny which is funny because that's what they call female donkeys. But he has this hangdog look on his face and Carrie Condon is fabulous as his sister. They both live together as adults in their parents' home and the parents are deceased and Colin is a dairy farmer. Well, I, I really, I, I am going to watch it this weekend. And I do love all the people involved in spoiler alert. And I really wish I would have seen it. And I also wish I would have, they would have kept the original title, but I don't think uh, movie audiences are ready for that to, you know, to know that someone's going to die when they're going in. Well, the story is Michael Osiello, who is a writer who. I have loved his writings for decades. He yes. Used to be he used to be at TV Guide at the turn of the century, and then he went to, uh, he was at Entertainment Weekly, and then he started his own thing, TV Line, which is one of my uh, bookmarks. I go there all the time. I love his stuff. He's a great writer. He's very snarky, and he's very, I mean, when his memoir came out, I got it, so. Oh, so I, you read the book. I did not finish the book i started the book and i have not because i know how it ends <laughs> sure but, sure but that so it's about not... well well they make that clear in the trailer so it's not a spoiler alert that he falls in love with a guy who eventually dies of aids and his mother is played no, by no, he, Sal he died of, he died of cancer oh okay i'm sorry i thought it was AIDS. he died of cancer and then sally field plays uh michael osiello's mother and uh, that's Jim Parsons and her. Mm -hmm. And it looked like from the clips I've seen that they have a very good, uh, it's good on screen, their their chemistry between Jim Parsons and Sally Field. And it's about a mom accepting 
her gay son. And and, uh, and Dan Savage, another writer who I love, he wrote the screenplay and then Michael Showalter directed it from yes. uh, the, the state. Who did the big sick. Yes. And, he was one uh, of Tim's hot, favorites. Hot, yeah. Hot Wet American Summer. I'm so sorry that they're all this stuff at once. Because of CCA, I just got the link last night to the Tom Hanks movie, The Man from Otto. Now, how am I going to have time to see that? I don't know. Why would they do that the day before? I, I, I cannot answer that for you. But I if if they would have sent us a spoiler alert screener, I would have watched it already and I would have told you all about it. But, Lynn, we have to be going soon, but you need to tell us what's going on in theater since you said you have all these movies and theater projects. What's going on in St. Louis theater? Yes, well, theater is back in full force after the pandemic, and so it's it's a game changer. It really is. Uh, we had like seven productions to see, and wow. last week we had the we had the girls from Jerry's Girls, who I can't see till next weekend. But what I have seen, I have seen a brilliant play by Lucas Knott, and he he's got that H in front of his name. He's a Tony winner. He wrote a play called The Christians, and his dad was a pastor, and it's this set in a mega church. And you would think that it's going to be this like honk for Jesus, save your soul kind of thing where they were corrupt and money and that. But no, it's about a change in faith by the pastor who decides that there's no hell. Okay. And uh, the congregation kind of turns on him. And uh, it's about everybody having this whole crisis of faith and he has built this church up and then he sees it all crumbling because of this new belief he has. And Joel Moses is one of the best actors in St. Louis. He's only been here for a couple of years and everything I see him in, whether it's comedy or drama, he is fantastic and he is the pastor this is by the west end players guild they're a little theater but they've been around for 104 years 105 years in st louis they are now doing they used to perform in the basement of the union avenue christian church but for this show they are doing it in the church wow and so you're sitting in the pews ellie sweaty <laughs> We've had her on the show before. She's one of the best directors and theater professionals in town. She directed it. It's outstanding. I encourage if you've got it, if you want to see something meaty and not all this Christmas fluffy stuff, that is very good. Also, Ride the Cyclone is at Stray Dog Theater. I had never heard of this musical. It is a cult classic. It is a, it's it's by a Canadian a duo. And it's about these kids at this uh, Catholic high school that are singing at, at a local amusement park and they're riding the cyclone roller coaster and they're, due to a freak accident, they all perish. And the kids are waiting in the, you know, to get through to the afterlife and this Karnak fortune teller machine, like if you remember big, the yeah 
he decides that one of the kids gets to live. Oh, one of them. Okay. So they have to tell their stories. And there's six of them. And one of them is like Tracy Flick in a Reese Witherspoon's character in Election. And, and one of them is a disabled child who suddenly is no longer needing his crutches. And the other one is the only gay kid in town because it's in Saskatchewan. And it's in Uranium City, Saskatchewan. So there's all these little inner, you know, Canadian jokes that nobody here understands, but it's really funny. And the fact that this is a cult classic, people came from, they had a TikTok video that went viral. People came last weekend when I was there. People were from Florida and Minnesota and other parts of Illinois and Missouri. And they were all cheering and whooping it up and having this great time. It's a little bit horror, but it's a lot of fun hilarity. So you've got the macabre and then you've got the mirthfulness. And they've created in the Tower Grove Abbey where they are, they have created this carnival-like atmosphere. So it's fun. And it's pretty much sold out for this weekend. So next weekend is it and then we have this magician illusionist at the gaslight theater st louis actor studio kyle marlette it is a one-man show but this gunner sizemore is co-writer co-director you see him really he is an actor in hollywood he was on the show nashville okay but this Kyle Marlette apparently uh, performs all over Vegas, everything. So this is his personal story. He has amazing. It's very quiet. You know how some of these magic shows, if you saw Illusionist, you know, is Which big and flashy, big right. and flashy and has the music and, and all the pulsating lights. And it's very, this is very intimate, not flashy. He was entranced uh, with magic as a young child. He has very unusual magic tricks, illusions. Ah. And uh, the set is all boxes, all like UPS boxes. Okay. And a couple of them drop from the ceiling and they have like memories in them or they have things. And he tells you about his life. And for the reason it's forget me not the name of it is because uh -huh. he wants to make his mark on the world so people remember him. And he engages with the audience about like who are the most memorable people in their lives. And he does a thing where he connects all this stuff. But my friend and I were sitting there and every time he did something that was part of this illusion, we would just look at each other because I have no clue how he did any of it. But it's very interesting. It's very different. And it's at St. Louis Actors Studio. You can go to the website. And it's through next week, too. And uh, what else did I do? What else? That um, Oh, the rep has a Christmas carol. So I have a, a interview with Kervin Duthit Boyd, the choreographer, in today's Webster Kirkwood Times. Okay. Speaking yeah. of that... Where else can they find you, Lynn? They can find me on Pop Life STL, my website. I am with Ray Hartman on KTRS every 
Thursday after the 10 p.m. news and uh, uh, Miller Furniture presents Lynn Van Huss goes to the movies. And then I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times for reviews and the occasional feature. So, Carl, where we can can we find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern. Also, you can hear me seven days a week on the radio. I am on the Mark Cox Morning Show Monday through Friday. And on the weekends, I am doing Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on 97.1 and KMOX. And then I'm at every single Blues game trying to blow the horn when the Blues score. When oh, they yeah, score. Not a good game last night, huh? No, it was the team oh. will turn it around. I know they will. Oh, well, of course, because they're streaky this year. Hey, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio started streaming on Netflix today. I encourage everyone to see that because I think it's an artistic masterpiece. And a lot of people are voting for it for best animated feature. As Next I week, am. we'll talk about all of our votes and uh, more movies that are coming out. Lynn, have a great weekend. I'm glad you're doing well. And uh, let's remember Tim today. Yes. Salute. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.